This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ooh, welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Trade Stripe Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water, do you believe? We have a great show for you guys today. We have another returning guest, one of our all-time favorites, Ben Golliver of the Washington Post, the NBA writer for him, joins the show. So buckle up, tuck it into your waistband, because here we go. Three, two, one... We're back. We sitting here, I supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. It's the Charity Stripe. Hit your free throws because they're free. So 247 coming hot at you guys in the Sode 246. And I'll be joined on the show today by Alex Tosh, Rock Tosopoulos, and Nikki Snacks. It's a great one, guys. Ben Golliver is back. We know you loved him last time. Some amazing NBA chat. And he's back for some more amazing NBA chat because the NBA hath returned and we couldn't be more excited and neither could he. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Ben Golliver, Washington Post, NBA writer. Enjoy. You heard it in the introduction. We have a returning guest. That's right. Ben Golliver of the Washington Post, our NBA guy, has returned. Ben, it's an all-time favorite episode of mine and Toss's especially because who doesn't love to geek out about basketball? And I always talk back to it. And we are super stoked to have you back once again, man. I think you are our second returning guest. Um, which is nice for us. It's good to have you back. And yeah, man, how you been doing? I'm hanging in there. You know, the first time I came on, though, you guys actually let me into the man cave. Unfortunately, I'm now just watching a live stream of you guys hanging out in the incredible man cave there in L.A. I'm a little bit jealous, to be honest, but I'll, I'll, you know, I got nothing going on right now. I've been locked down at home since March. It's nice to have some outside contact with the general world. Obviously, I've been still covering the league and, and working, but uh, we're like three months into this thing, basically, at this yeah. point. It just it feels like Groundhog Day every day, right? Mm-hmm. You oh, know, yeah. Alex was saying to me today, 
and he's like, this is a longer break than these guys would normally get. And it kind of, I mean, I forget. I, I'm, I'm like Dory the fish from Finding Nemo. I wake up every day like, like la-di-di-da, and then I walk outside, and I see people in masks. I'm like, oh, shit, I got to go back to the house and get a mask because I keep forgetting that we're <laughs> in this thing. Um, <laughs> but it's been a longer offseason almost for these guys, which is crazy to think. But finally, we're getting the season back and going, and we're glad you're still covering this thing. Uh, we were talking a bit about before the show, but if you can give some insight for the people listening about what it's going to be like to potentially go there and cover in Orlando, um, that'd be great because I think that's a, that's like a that's a take that we're not even hearing anything about. We're still trying to get the whole playoff format sorted. For sure. So I mean, just to, on your point on how long this has been, I think that if we go from March 11th when they shut the NBA down to July 31st when the first game would be of the playoffs. I think that's 142 days, if I'm not mistaken. That's and that time period, that's 142. Yeah, yeah, that time period is longer than I think it was 131 days from the last game of the finals last year to the first day of the regular season. Wow. So you're talking about a full off-season break before they get back to basketball. Now, from there, uh, we're all kind of waiting. I mean, it's sort of a wait-and-see situation. We know who's going to be invited, the 22 teams. We know where they're doing it, basically, on the campus of, of Disney World, that wide world of sports complex. Uh, that ESPN has down there. Uh, we know, obviously, that there's going to be a bubble that players are not going to be able to really exit from, um, you know, at least not easily. Uh, and then we know that there's going to be some level of media, for sure the broadcast media, you know, ESPN and TNT, who, who are going to be covering these playoffs is going to be down there. Uh, but past that, we're really waiting on a lot of the details in terms of how is the testing going to work out? Is independent media going to be allowed in there? Um, what other health and safety protocols are actually going to be governing the game? Like, are we going to see referees, you know, like uh, Clorox wiping the ball at every dead ball? <laughs> are players going to be socially distanced on the bench? Are coaches going to wear masks? I mean, these are all the kinds of open questions that yeah. we're kind of dealing with right now. We just don't know yet. So, um, you know, we're getting closer. I mean, obviously, they, they ratified the plan to bring this back, which is a, a big commitment towards trying to do it. Uh, but I don't think anyone expects it to be easy. No, I don't think anyone expects it to be easy. But you got to applaud. Look, you got to, in my opinion, have you have to applaud Adam Silver. I, I, I it's such a shame watching the MLB just blow it. And you know, not to kind of get too much into baseball, but kind of blow it though. Because at least you could say for basketball, yeah, you know, the plan's not a hundred percent of effect. There's so many questions, but they've made the moves. They've come to the agreement, you know, and it's maybe a bit easier to jump in midseason or towards the season end than it is to start an entire season and figure out how to go from there. But it, it's just it's just like an issue for me for baseball. So at least it's good on them. The basketball is getting going. But I think it's an interesting point. Like are guys like Shaq, Kenny and Charles or D Wade, are they going to go down there and be away from their families? Or do we think it'll be a kind of thing where the media gets to have some family members in there? Well, I imagine those guys could probably do their jobs just remotely. sort of, uh, you know, commentating remotely like yeah. they've been doing. Okay. You know, they had that big special with Adam Silver last week. I could see them just continuing to do that. But you're going to have sideline reporters. You're going to have the play-by-play guy. You're going to have the color guys. You're going to want those national people probably there at least to get the feel for how the game is unfolding. I mean, you know, actually being there in person is a big deal. Uh, and then I'm sure you're going to have a lot of ESPN employees. Obviously, they're hosting uh, everybody down there uh, on their facility at Disney. Uh, they're going to be broadcasting the game. So you're going to need to have reporters there asking questions in press conferences. And I'm sure they're going to be sending a bunch of people. So, um, you know, I think that we should all be cognizant of like the high risk groups, right? Like if you're older, uh, unfortunately, if you're in a minority community, like COVID does tend to hit those uh, you know, people 
a little bit harder. So I would imagine that that could influence some media decisions in terms of yeah. who do you send, who do you not send. Yeah. Um, the last thing you want to do is send somebody who's super high risk down there and they get it. And then it's, you know, you have to shut the entire playoffs down because, you know, there's a very serious health situation. And that's another question, by the way, that I, I think, you know, deserves uh, to be looked at. Like you mentioned, Adam Silver deserves a lot of credit for taking the bold steps of trying to get this thing back on. But I'm sure it's weighing on his mind. What do we do if things go wrong? What happens yeah. if 10 players and there's an outbreak, right, on a team? Does that team just have to forfeit? Uh, can you keep the rest of the playoffs going without them? What happens, God forbid, if somebody dies? You know, I mean, we've seen the NBA community touched by death. Um, you know, whether it's Carl Anthony Towns' mom or some other serious situations, uh, you know, related to other players, like uh, that is something that you have to be prepared for. We're seeing the case counts in Florida going up here this past week um, after they had been a fairly safe state compared to some others, uh, you know, in previous months. So that's something that you have to kind of keep an, an eye on. And obviously what we really want is a very clear plan from the league in terms of how they're going to keep everybody safe. How is the bubble going to work? Uh, how are the games going to unfold? Like, are guys going to go home to shower, like maybe at their hotel rooms because they're pr practically going to be across the street? Like, exactly what are going to be the procedures here to keep these guys safe? Because, you know, ultimately, like, this is huge business. I mean, they're trying to recoup, you know, more than a billion dollars in lost revenue here. But you could really shoot yourself in the foot um, if, you know, a major player were to get sick or, or potentially, you know, in some other situation with an outbreak. So mm -hmm. uh, I think that's kind of the next hurdle for everybody to climb here is to get a sense for exactly how the health stuff is going to play out. I, yeah. You, you I, brought up, you brought up the, the business aspect of this and, and, you know, trying to retain as much of that, that coverage as possible. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about the decision behind the eight games and kind of what that really means and what we can expect from it. I mean, there's teams, obviously like the wizards are, they have the worst record of all the teams coming in there and it's, it's basically, I mean, it's a long shot that they actually work their way back into the into the playoffs here. So for, talk a little bit about that. For sure. Well, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but there was a, uh, a conference call with Adam Silver two months ago where he basically said the NBA revenues were at zero because they couldn't have any games. They were not able to sell tickets and like the whole league is shut down. When you're talking about a league that normally clears like eight or nine billion dollars, like this is a legitimate, like complete financial crisis for the league, right? And I think yeah. they've done a very nice job messaging and, and trying to be steady in public, but this is a, a disaster, right? I mean, yeah. there's also the possibility they wouldn't be able to have fans uh, in the stadiums for next season, right? So they had a lot of motivation to try to bring this thing back and to make it really work on television because that's really where their money is going to come from, the television rights deals and then obviously the television advertising because they can't put fans in stands they have to basically play in empty arenas. So the idea of the eight games, not only does it give them more television product, yeah. but it should also generate a little bit of initial excitement in terms of teams trying to fight into that final playoff spot and also sorting the seeds uh, in the Western Conference because it's pretty bunched up right now. Teams like Houston and Utah are all really close to the standings. So they'll get eight games to try to sort that out. But the other key thing is, you know, guys like LeBron and the Lakers, or, or the Bucks with Giannis, or even the Clippers with Kawhi, like they had incredible regular seasons. They don't want to have to come into the playoffs cold and just, you know, try to figure it out in the first round. Like they right. want to have a little bit of tune-up and and uh, you know, those kinds of uh, you know warm-up matches. So having the eight regular season games accomplishes all of those uh, goals. It will set your playoff bracket. Um, it will give you more to sell on television. It will give the players a chance to get into shape after a really long break. Uh, and then hopefully we'll go forward with the playoffs, you know, somewhat like normal. 
Yeah, I mean that'd yeah. be that'd be lovely, and it's a great point. I mean, you can't just come in cold turkey with these guys. You got to establish some kind of rhythm, and you know it may not make a difference as far as seeding goes for the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Bucks, but at least you kind of get some tempo. And you know, if even for the Raptors too, a team that's been pretty much unhealthy. I, Nick Nurse has got to be one of the best coaches I've ever seen because that team has been shot to shit pretty much the entire season, uh, completely unhealthy. And now they've gotten this time to recoup, but they're going to need some time together, I feel, as well. Um, let's get to the top in a second. But at the bottom, Toss, you brought up the Wizards, and you and I are on the couch. We're talking, like, why is this even possible kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a reason why John Wall's already come out and said that he's not going to play. Yeah. Even, even if. I, I don't know why it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it is it possible, Ben, you think, for a team like the Wizards, or is it possible for a team like the Blazers and the Pels to catch the eight-seed Grizzlies and the eight-seed Magic, or even the Nets if they start to slip? Well, yeah, it's more possible now than it was if they had actually just played out the season because you look at the Wizards, I think the, the projection systems had them at like less than a 1% chance to actually get into the playoffs because they were so far behind if they had just played out the 82-game season. Mm-hmm. But now they have like, you know, basically a, a 10 or 15% chance to get within the four games of that eighth seed so that they can have the playoff game now, or the sorry, the play-in game. And the way that will work is if the eighth and ninth seeds are separated by four games or less, They'll basically play head-to-head. If the eighth seed wins, they'll get to be in the playoffs. If the ninth seed wins, they'll have to play a second game, and the winner of that game gets to go in. So it's an interesting compromise to try to like generate a little bit of interest in this, this play-in uh, format, but it also gives some of these teams that were a little bit lower in the standings a chance to actually make the playoffs. Now, for the Wizards, I don't expect them to actually be able to do this, and I think that this whole idea could kind of fall on its face, like, if they come out and go one and seven because they're playing against all teams that are better than them, everyone's going to look around and be like, why did we even invite these guys? What was the whole point of this? Right. Right. Uh, but in the, in the Western conference, first of all, you got Damian Lillard and you've got Zion Williamson in a playoff chase. And that should generate interest. Um, and in Zion's case, it should generate really national interest. I mean, you guys remember he got almost 3 million viewers to his debut uh, with the Pelicans. I mean, people will watch Zion if he's in an empty gym, if he's in, you know, the middle of the New Orleans Pelicans season, if he's, you know, playing on the moon. Everybody wants to tune in and see what Zion's doing. And so I think that's a big reason and motivation for why they wanted to do this play-in system is they're kind of hoping that if you give Zion eight games on national TV, and then maybe if you're lucky, you get two more play-in games. And if the NBA is really lucky, he'll be in the first round matched up against LeBron all of a sudden you're going to have a lot of people watching those games, even if they are in an empty gym. So I think that's uh, one of the motivations for the NBA is like, that would be uh, a way to generate some real television interest that just never would have existed if you had just gone straight to the playoffs. Yeah. The yeah. Pels have a great road in that case. Cause I mean, best case scenario, I mean, listen, if you can get Damian Lillard in the playoffs, that's going to be exciting. And the Blazers, I think are another team that has not been completely healthy, obviously all season. So kind of giving them this rest up, maybe we get Zach Collins back. We'll see how Nurkic is. I don't know if he's ready to go. Um, but having CJ at least and Damian on the same court, uh, would be great for the Blazers. But best case scenario, you get Zion versus Jaw, which is awesome, between, you know, two, two, maybe one game or three games, which is great. And then LeBron versus Zion um, would be absolutely fantastic. But if the playoffs stay as they are right now, um, it, the, the lower seeds seem to be kind of benefiting because there's no home, home court advantage. Is there anything that needs to be done, in your opinion, to kind of subsidize that, to give these home teams at least some kind of slight edge that they normally get? had the playoffs been so, normal and they'd be playing at home? It's a great question. I don't know how it's going to play now. And, and part of the reason why I'm a little bit hesitant to answer this is I've seen a lot of series where 
the road team was actually able to extend the series because they got a boost like in game three when they come back home, right? And so, like, let's say the favorite is just way better than them, but, hey, they get back home, the crowd's going crazy, they're the underdog, but they're able to kind of push back and make it a longer series, like, thanks to that that uh, that home court bump uh, when you're the, the worst team. Mm-hmm. Now those worst teams aren't going to have that home court bump, right? So if you imagine, mm. uh, like, you mentioned, like, Toronto, and, and actually Brooklyn's a bad example because they don't really have a, a lot of uh, – loud fans but let's say uh the the, the clip yeah how about the clippers and the mavericks right mavericks have a really good fan base luke has been incredible at home this season right um normally in that series the the mavericks would have an opportunity to get back home for game three and you win game three and four and now that could be a long series right um if we're down in orlando and you don't have that crowd to kind of push it on like let's say la gets up 2-0 in that series if you're the mavericks are you thinking like well we don't have our home court we know this team is better than us if we lose this series, we get to go home and we don't have to live in the bubble. Like, do you just kind of subconsciously maybe roll over a little bit earlier? And so I wouldn't be surprised at all if this neutral site thing winds up making shorter series rather than longer series. I think some people are worried, oh, the home court teams are going to get punished because they don't have that benefit. But I actually wonder if, like, talent is going to wind up winning out more often than not because, uh, you know, you get some of these teams that are underdogs like Utah, has an incredible home court, uh, you know, situation that can help them in certain situations. Uh, you know, Philadelphia is another team that was going to be a lower ranked seed that was really, really good at they home this year, but, on really, the road. but terrible on the road. Right. So now if you put them in a neutral site and they don't have that benefit of the home, do they just get swept by a better team or do they go well, out in five instead of seven? I don't know. I was thinking about it. And I think a little bit of a counterpoint to that is that now they don't have to, you know, if you're on a five-game road stretch or something like that, I mean, that's a team that could have lost five games in a row. If I look back at their schedule, they very easily could have. But now you you take away the travel, you take away going on someone else's court where they have the home advantage like you're talking about, and maybe that could be something that's beneficial for them where they find a rhythm that they normally wouldn't have been able to find in a playoff series. Yeah, one crazy variable here too we should talk about is the shooting because we all know the three-point shot is so important for the modern game. And you see a lot of shooting specialists will actually shoot better at home, like significantly better at home rather than on the road. So what happens when we get down and everybody's shooting in the same empty gym in Orlando? Like does, right. is your three, your three and D shooter. Does that guy perform like better because he doesn't have, you know, angry crowds yelling at him to distract him and he's confident he's comfortable or does he actually perform worse because he doesn't have, the comforts of home, right? Being in right. front of that home crowd, everybody cheers you on. You have that momentum and that swagger. We just have no idea. So we can kind of At, go all day, all day, all day long on this kind of stuff, you know? I for can sure, imagine that, that free throw shooting is probably going to go up for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, add on top of that, you know, you've got guys that have only touched a basketball in the last month too, right? Yeah. I mean, where they were, they were working out, yes, but they weren't doing any basketball-specific drills until the until the last month, or even until until recently, even sooner than that. So there's right. so there's many gonna, variables that you're talking about that are so so relevant right now. It's going to be so many inequalities too, because you've got a guy like LeBron who's got a full court and a giant home gym, right? And you've got other guys who are living in like one-bedroom apartments, you know, and they're just like, well, where do you want me to play? Yeah, you know, I got a Peloton. Yeah, I got exactly. a Peloton. That's all I got. You know, <laughs> uh, here's another one for you. I, I'd be curious what you guys think on this. Yeah. What do the, what happens with the referees? Do the referees call more fouls because they can hear everything and they don't, they're not going to be distracted by the fans. Are they going to call less fouls because guys are going to be ashamed to flop in front of empty stadiums? Are there going to be more uh, altercations 
because you know you you're just you got nothing else going on you're stuck in a bubble and you're angry or there are going to be fewer altercations because you're going to feel dumb going chest to chest with the guy when there's literally nobody in the building like how do you think the referees are going to influence this thing i think i'm hoping at least they go a little more you know junkyard dog kind of with the ladder of all your, you 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 disagree i'm this is what i'm hoping for i, I think i, I think, think they're going to they're going to set an early precedent and try and try try and kind of run the show i think they're going to call a lot of ticky tack stuff early on and, and at least the first series that's that's what my gut says that i mean I that makes see, sense that makes sense i could see things loosening up as the series progress you know if we get into the second round third round but i think out the jump they're gonna have to be pretty tight yeah i i mean i, I love your point to the possibility that players kind of take a step back of you know the flops take a step back of you know trying to sell stuff in, in, in the crowd i mean i think this is just a good opportunity to kind of reset a precedent of playing you know more smash mouth basketball kind of which is which we, we yeah. saw in the, the the kind of the game you know in the last dance you kind of see i think a great a, you know highlight of the last dance you see the smash mouth basketball going on in the 80s and 90s in the early 2000s even and i would love to kind of get back to that obviously the three points exciting but if we could get that happy mix kind of like we had a couple of years ago i mean that would be great in my opinion and this is a good opportunity but i think you're right toss i think they're going to be able to hear things more like you said ben and i think the ticky tack fouls um will just come to fruition naturally, you know, naturally because the rest will be more aware. Yeah, yeah I think I mean, that – go ahead. Oh, I was going to say real quick. I mean, I, I also think, like, without the crowd being there, you know, guys are less likely to ramp up in those really intense moments. Like, imagine Draymond, I was say that. you know, like jumping around the gym with no crowd to play to, you know. Yeah. Like, how, how – is he going to feel too dumb to do that? Like, you just feel out of place. You're like, guys are going to be looking at you saying, like, Hey man, chill out. We're just trying not to get Corona here. Like you don't, right. need to, you know, you don't need to do this. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. And the other aspect is there is no crowd there, and those reps are alone with all those players and those coaches. And like it gets a little more awkward, you know, when you're kind of in an isolated area with no with no twenty thousand people behind you. You know, when when like Popovich is yelling at you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how Russ kind of pops off. He's like one of those energetic guys that just is. That's that's exactly who I was thinking of too. It's like with no crowd boosting Russ behind him, like how good can Russ really be? I mean, I'm, yeah. Toss. I, I asked Toss last night, Ben. I was like, is there any? Or maybe was it today? Who knows? These days are blending together. I was like, is there any shot the Rockets win? And I guess we well, kind of go a team by team thing. And Toss, you said you don't think so. I don't think so, but I'd I'd love to ask I, Ben, your uh, your partner on your podcast michael is is sticking with his pick at the beginning of the season he still thinks the rockets can do it well here's the thing with with the rockets like d'antoni always says oh i just roll the ball out there i don't call a lot of plays i just let james harden do whatever he wants and what you were saying about this turning into kind of like a smash mouth type summer like i could easily see this just being kind of like a pickup playoffs you know it's like five on five just roll your guys out maybe it's like less strategy and substitution and more just like you know five on five, like you're almost playing in a summer league or you're, you know, you're playing on the blacktop and those kinds of conditions would favor Harden because that's all he does all year long is play pickup. It looks like he's been in, in incredible shape. I mean, he's definitely lost weight from some of the pictures that I've seen. I'm sure you guys have seen those too. Yeah. And they've also, you know, that team, a lot of those guys have played together for a while. And I actually think continuity and chemistry is going to matter a lot. That's and I think huge. experience will too. Like you mentioned the, the Raptors and their health problems. Like if they're coming back in healthy, but not only that, Say guys like Marcus Saul, Ibaka, and Kyle Lowry are also rested, and all they have to do is, you know, put together like two months of basketball after having three months off. Like that could set them up really nicely for a, you know, a deep yeah. playoff run. 
Whereas if you have a team that's maybe more thrown together, they haven't played together as much, it could be harder to, you know, get your rhythm back, um, you know, after such a, a long layoff. So we'll have to see how these things play out. Um, but in general, like, I do think, you know, Houston's going to be in that mix. I mean, they had some real momentum going down the stretch. They were a little bit inconsistent at times. Um, but I, you know, I tend to think that this whole setup is going to favor a player like Harden, just like it'll favor LeBron, because, you know, we've seen both those guys, they get so much defensive attention in the playoffs that like over the course of a series, maybe they start to, to wear down a little bit or they just get a little bit less effective as the other team wears them down or, or works on them. They're going to come into this thing completely rested and they're just yeah. going to be both of them monsters, you know? Yeah. I mean, having all these like, superstars. I, it, so I think to kind of guess what you're getting at is, do you believe that the superstar heavy teams are, are going to kind of be favored here and take the throne. So a team like the Nuggets, and not to say that Jokic is not a superstar, but I'm talking about the guys that could kind of take over a game and drop 40, like a Giannis, a LeBron, a Kawhi, um, guys in that realm. Even like, you know, a guy on the outset like Lillard, you know, whose team's on the outside looking in. Is he almost favored to kind of get in there and jump jaw on the Grizzlies if it gets to that four-game, four, uh, four you know, minimum and they play that play-in game? I think so. To me, the biggest factor will actually be the teams that can really lock up and play defense. Cause I think it's going to be real choppy and ugly games compared to what we usually mm-hmm. see just because I mean, defense comes out normally in the playoffs more than the regular season anyways, but to have that real chemistry, that high level, like golden state warriors style, like ball movement and three pointers and everything's effortless and all that, like to have that just pop up in the middle of Disney world after three months off is going to be hard. Right. So I I tend to favor teams like the Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks primarily because they're defense first. And if this thing winds up being super ugly and nobody's watching it because the defense is ahead of the offense, like that wouldn't really surprise me. But yeah, your point on the the offensive, you know, shot makers, I think those guys are going to be really uh, crucial too, because like ultimately if it's an ugly game, you need to have a guy like a Harden or a Kawhi or a LeBron who can say, all right, you know, I just need to go get a bucket. So I'm going to go to my pet move, whether it's a turnaround or a step back or for LeBron, it's that, you know, like he likes to go left and, and bury that deep three. Like you're going to need to have those types of uh, shot makers uh, in this format, I think, to, to kind of come out on top. And so you know, that could work against a guy like Giannis, who's not the world's purest shooter. Um, he's going to have to hope that his kind of like physical game is able to overpower the opponents like it did for most of the regular season. But he's run into problems, you know, in the past of playoffs. You know, Toronto uh, locked him up a little bit last year. And, uh, you know, that could be one guy where you circle and say, is he going to be able to adapt after all this time off? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been kind of reflecting on that same thing. And it, it seems like when teams have been effective in defending Giannis, it's kind of build that Game of Thrones wall and, and you know, force him outside the paint and then and make him shoot. And he's one of those guys that I mentioned earlier who hasn't touched a ball in a long time. I'm kind of weary of of the Bucks making a ton of noise, actually taking this really deep for the playoff run. I think a team like the Celtics is a lot more appealing to me because I know that they're so high percentage, their offense. But honestly, uh, you know, we're talking about guys who can go get a bucket. And if this turns into kind of Drew League basketball, Lou Will pops into my head for the Clippers and what they can do from their bench yeah. is so, so great. I mean, I, I look at the, the Clippers at the beginning of the season, you know, I had the Lakers clearly over them, but right now I feel like they have to be in a pretty, pretty great position. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you want to highlight Ben, if you don't mind some guys that like, I think Lou Will is a great point. Some guys that maybe we're not, I doubt people are really sleeping on Lou Will, but guys that people could possibly be sleeping on that could really be Cinderella pop off guys for some teams in the playoffs. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you're looking at like, you know, X factor types. I mean, Lou Will is a, a great call because of the shot making, and they're going to need, um, you know, potentially they need him. I mean, they've got some injury issues that they have to worry about. The nice thing for them is Kawhi and Paul George have gotten extra rest time. Yeah. But if one of those guys down goes down for whatever reason, even if it's just a short period of time, they need Lou Will to be that creator. Um, you know, you take one of his teammates. I would say Montrez Harrell. I mean, people forget like he's coming up on free agency. And it's going to be a weird summer in terms of like who's going to get paid, who's not going to get paid. But the fact that they're putting this playoffs on winds up being a showcase for those types of free agents. And he's one guy who could actually get himself paid this offseason. So he'd be another guy that I would look at. You know, in terms of, uh, you know, we were talking about like building a wall around Giannis. Those shooters now become really important. So, you know, somebody like a Wesley Matthews from Milwaukee or even a Danny Green for the Lakers with LeBron, where if it's an ugly uh, half court type game and you're trying to do those drive and kick passes those shooters need to be reliable uh, you know both those guys are pretty experienced and, and they're pretty uh, they've got a lot of just like playoffs under their belt Danny Green won a title so those are going to be sort of like key X factor types to, to support sure. the superstar guys and make sure their offenses uh, you know still work I mean a guy who we would always want to circle is PJ Tucker down in Houston yeah I mean he's played in plenty of empty now. gyms <laughs> right and, and, but but like think about this he's played in like four or five different countries so if there's any better preparation uh for like an empty gym in orlando it's probably playing in like eastern europe you know what i mean yeah. and, and pj tucker's done that <laughs> same deal for nick nurse who you mentioned earlier by the way it's like he's coached in iowa and great britain it's like yeah he's gonna be just fine when you throw him down in orlando he's not gonna be trying to like catch point. his bearings or like or confused so uh those are some of the guys too. I mean, Van Vliet's another player for Toronto where he's coming up on free agency. He's a great shot creator. Uh, he had a great postseason last year. People remember, uh, especially in the finals as well. Be another guy to kind of circle as a, as a possible X factor. I think Harrell's a great one, especially with the draft class coming up. It's looking like it's going to be a more heavy, like a more heavy guard class, you know, with LaMelo, Killian, Anthony Edwards. Obviously, you have Wiseman at the top and Obi, but outside of that, it's more heavy guard class. So a guy like Montrez Harrell could get a lot of money in free agency because there's, there's you know, less demand. There's going to be more demand because there's less opportunity to get a big guy um, in the draft coming up. Oh, it's a great point. And the other thing that we need to, to kind of mention here is like the draft is about going the- on before the end of the season. Well, they pushed the draft back, so we're cool oh, did there. They? Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. They pushed that back, um, which that would have been just a complete mess. And and they yeah. finally gave, gave us a date at sometime in the fall, um, after the the season so ends. Weird. But yeah, it's going to be like potentially in the middle of the NFL football season, which is like you have a week draft and you're going up against football. It's like good luck getting uh, getting ratings for that. But the salary cap could drop next year like more than it's ever dropped before. And if you look at like the last 30 years, it's been pretty steadily increasing. There's never been a major drop. And just because of all the lost revenue that I mentioned earlier, um, this could be a situation where like there's teams that just like hardly have any money to spend. So it could be something where guys are signing like one year contracts and then just trying to become free agents again the following year, Mm -hmm. just because no one will have the room to to spend. So that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but it is important to keep that in mind. Like, so much about the league is just completely turned on its head because we haven't had any sports here for three months. Right. Yeah. And I, and I'm hearing that a lot of, a couple of coaches have come out and said that with next year already, they're already looking to potentially shorten the season or at least advocate for that. What they're probably going to try to do is crunch it up. So my guess is they're probably going to have to play next year in a bubble too, just because traveling by, you know, December when they want to start the season is probably still going to be dicey. Right. Um, and then, 
do you need to have teams going from city to city if you know you can't even play in front of in front of fans like what's the point of going to san francisco to play at chase center if it's empty you know it's pointless right. so i could easily see them going back into a bubble and if you do that you don't have to build in as many travel days right you can just kind of compress things because everybody's just sitting around ready to play each other it's like one long um you know tournament basically so i could see uh i could see starting in december and trying to end the whole thing by like july so that way all the players can go play in the olympics and that way you can get your schedule back onto a normal rhythm for the following year yeah um and maybe you're able to get 82 games out of that maybe you have to cut it down a little bit uh, w- w- that remains to be seen but i think you could condense it so that you didn't have as much travel days and, and you'd probably be okay yeah it's like i mean I would rather the season get back to normal, obviously not next year, but the year after that and get back to the normal schedule and situated than kind of just try to mess things around and, and move to a new schedule. I feel like that can get messy and dicey. I was going to ask you, do you guys like this idea of like starting in December or starting on Christmas going forward? Because the big problem for me is it puts your free agency period in September, which is when baseball and football and college football are going on. And it's like the, the NBA right now, it like dominates July because there's nothing else going on really besides baseball. I think and it it's like the dog dominate anyway, though, because I, I think basketball is like still on an upward trajectory of being, I listen, I don't can it overtake football on Sundays. No, but can it overtake football as the most popular sport in America? Potentially can it overtake? Well, could it be the most popular sport in the world? I think it's got capability of doing that or at least being second to soccer, you know? And I, I think basketball, I think no matter what, like, look, Kawhi going to the Clippers, Paul George getting traded to the Clippers, Russ getting traded to Houston, that could have been in December in the middle of in the middle of Christmas dinner and everyone would have dropped their phones and run to, dropped, you know, their plates and gone to watch the TV. I think big news like that, no matter what, is gonna is gonna be huge, no matter the time of year. But I would, I'm, I think I'm with you. I would prefer to start in December, but kind of truncate things so we get back to a normal schedule and get things going in July. I wouldn't like. I would rather have 60 games next year, start in December, playoffs in, in early summer, everything else, no like off season in July, August, and then get back to the, the way things were with an 82 game season the following fall. No, I'm with you on that, largely because of the Olympics. Like, I mean, we have some unfinished no, shit, business I as a country. About that. Jesus, my God. You know, like the, the World Cup last year was a disaster, and like yeah. I haven't forgotten. And I really hope that like Jerry Colangelo and Popovich haven't forgotten. And I hope there's some players who are ready to kind of sign up for that 2021 Olympics and say, "Hey, this is an opportunity to kind of like get USA basketball back on track. Maybe right. you can spread the global message after a really tough pandemic." But. Um, you know, I, there's going to be guys from other countries, whether it's Spain, Serbia, everybody else, who are going to want to play in that competition. So they're going to face a lot of pressure to get their schedule back on track um, yeah. just to accommodate those guys. I don't know why there'd be so much pressure. I feel like America's looked great lately, you know? So, uh, <laughs> <Joey>. <laughs> yeah, I know. God. Right. Um, on a lighter note, uh, let me get some picks out of you, if you don't mind, man. Uh, who do you got coming out of the Eastern Conference? Who you got coming out of the West? And you have any dark horses for me? And you got any teams that you think people are high on that are just going to flop? Um, I would say uh, I'm sticking with my original preseason pick of Clippers over Bucks in the finals. Okay. Uh, it's largely because of the defensive um, uh, reason that I mentioned earlier. And just those guys have some you know star-level players. Um, I don't feel confident about it at all. I think this is going to be the most unpredictable playoffs in history because yeah. of, you know, a lot of the factors that we've described and just the venue and, um, you know, no fans and everything else. 
Um, in terms of dark horses, I think that we kind of circled the big one in the Western Conference to me is Houston. You know, you look mm-hmm. at their record. Um, they're a lower seed than they probably will be like once this all shakes out. And I think that they've got that that superstar level talent and uh, just enough pieces to fill out a rotation where they're going to be a really tough out for whoever they get. And like we've seen, like if you are trying to play a traditional center like you, uh, Rudy Gobert against them during the playoffs, they'll just play him right off the court. So you have to really be able to match their style. They want to go super small. And that could be really tricky and, and hard for teams to do when they're trying to formulate strategies, um, you know, off, uh, you know, after such a long layoff. In terms of the Eastern Conference, man, I don't see any dark horses. Like, no disrespect to, like, the Pacers or any of those teams. Like, they're kind of cute stories. But I feel like it's a three-team conference. You know, it's Boston, it's Toronto, and it's Milwaukee. Um, I think Milwaukee was so dominant this regular season, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. If somebody surprised them, like Boston, uh, you guys mentioned earlier, like that's, if you want to call them a dark horse, they're probably an overqualified dark horse. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, they've got great defensive talent, very interchangeable players. They've got, uh, you know, uh, shot creators in Kemba and Jason Tatum. Like they kind of check all the boxes that you would want. And they've got really good team chemistry this year compared to last year when they were kind of falling apart at the seams and, you know, Kyrie kind of imploded them, right? So. If you're saying, like, which team is actually going to want to hang out when they go down to Disney, <laughs> right. Disney World, God. I, I feel like they, they might get a bump on that uh, on that category, too. Yeah, and Good I point. think you brought up the point with the shooters. Um, mentioned a guy like Wes Matthews, a guy like P.J. Tucker. Look, Gordon Hayward does not have to be Gordon Hayward of, of old, but he kind of has to be the guy for Boston. If they're going to drive and kick, he's got to be there ready to hit. He's got to be reliable. If For me, if Boston, you know, taking my heart out of it and putting my head into it. Because obviously I think Tatum's taking that next step. Uh, Toss and I were arguing uh, again on the couch today about whether Tatum is a top 15 player or not in the league, and he's been making really good points to it. Um, saying he's already taken a step ahead of Kemba, which, you know, in the playoffs he can, pro- can prove to be true. Um, but Hayward has to be that guy for me if Boston's going to make that leap. So you're out on Miami. Am I crazy to think that Miami, we talk about a wall for Giannis with Bam in there. Am I crazy to think that, you know, Miami can really make some noise? They have Tyler Harrow. Obviously, Jimmy Butler isn't LeBron, Kawhi, um, or Harden, but he could kind of get into that range where he's scoring 30-plus a game and obviously playing great defense. Am I, am I wishful thinking and trying to tread back on my prediction that the Heat wouldn't even make the playoffs at the beginning of the season? No, that's a great call for a, for a dark horse in the Eastern Conference. I guess I overlooked them. Uh, you know, Bam had some success against Giannis during the regular season. One thing you know about both him and Jimmy, those guys are definitely going to come in in shape, right? Like the the easiest bet in the world is that Jimmy, Mister Four A.M. Butler workout guy, is going to show up uh, in Orlando just like ready to go. And those guys can win ugly too. You know, they've got some offensive power, but like you know, that's. I mean, Miami's been, you know, winning with kind of grit and just overachieving for years under Eric Spolstra. So this kind of plays to their strengths too. Um, you know, I think ultimately it comes down to Butler is this is kind of like a, a reputation making postseason for him. I think he's had a lot of, uh, you know, struggles in the past in terms of leading a team deep into the playoffs, right? He was on that Bulls team when he was younger yeah. um, that I think made the conference finals, but that wasn't really his team. Um, obviously in Minnesota, they went out early. Um, Philadelphia, they had a, a pretty dramatic exit in the second round last year. So, uh, you know, this is kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, Jimmy, like we put you into this top 10, top 12 category over the last few years. Now go out there and, and really deliver it and show it. I mean, he's got a, a decent amount of help. Uh, and I think that those guys are all on the same page. They have a similar worldview in terms of how they approach the game. Not a lot of competing interest down there. So that's good. Uh, but, uh, you know, Jimmy loves to talk and it's a, probably time here for him to walk the walk a little bit. 
Yeah. yeah, I think I completely agree. I mean, he's been he's been talking on the record for a long time about how championships really are the only thing that matter to him, that all stars don't matter. And I think like obviously if he didn't show up offensively in some games during the regular season, that was okay because they had guys coming out of the woodwork, right? With none and Harrow and Duncan Robinson, who's you know, here and there scoring buckets almost 30. So it's Right. But I think that you're exactly right, Ben. It's when it comes down to it, Jimmy's going to have to be the guy and elevate himself to probably a top five player in these playoffs if, if they want to make some serious noise. Um, but I'm, I'm excited. I, I'd be I'd be on board with them. That'd be cool. Yeah, I, I, that was like I was thinking, OK, who do I have coming out of the East today? I woke up. I also like that and I was like, mate, could I be also the heat? like, yeah, I, I like that. I also hope that like I don't think the Pacers are going to make any noise but if we could see a, a just a shimmer of Oladipo pre-injury that's that would all be really- I care about for them can I see Oladipo kind of get back because I think we have something with Sabonis I really do I think Sabonis is, is, is a good stretch for honestly it could be a five um I don't know where Miles Turner maybe fits in the future but I think if we could see Oladipo kind of come back to fruition and be back to his old self I think that's just the best case scenario for the Pacers now we've well, seen- you got some longer you got some longer term implications for those kinds of teams too, right? Because yeah. uh, let's say they had just canceled these playoffs. Well, if you're Miami, you're trying to build this momentum to put together a super team, and that's going to be trickier. But let's say Jimmy leads them to the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, now all of a sudden everyone's trying to play the guessing game of like which superstar wants to go play with Jimmy down in Miami, and for Indiana, it, you could potentially solve that Miles Turner Sabonis question here during these playoffs, right? If Oladipo comes back and plays well he's got this two-man game going with Sabonis and it's kind of like playing out how we all were kind of hoping it would maybe now next summer or like next offseason I should say you know come October and November Indiana's in a position where they could actually deal with Miles Turner and go forward with another nice new piece around Oladipo and Sabonis you've got two all-stars there and now your future is maybe a little bit clearer than it is right now so I think you know teams in that mix definitely have something to play for here even if they're not necessarily in that contender conversation and so they should be happy that these playoffs got rescheduled. Yeah, scorching hot take here. We'll see a Buddy Heald for Miles Turner swap. That's the Buddy Heald swap I think we're going to see. <laughs> well, we know how Vladi likes to collect his centers, you know. So yeah. if he can get, you know, Jesus. if he can ever get five centers in one lineup, he'll be, uh, he'll be the greatest day of his life. <laughs> It'll be the opposite I, of the Rockets. Ben, I, I think I, I'm due for a reality check in this show. Talk to me about my Mavericks and and I'm quite hopeful. I, I was talking to Josh earlier today. I was saying that they're really they have nothing to prove, which puts them in a very advantageous position. Luca coming back, obviously the injuries were an issue at the end of the season. Gives him time to kind of recuperate the ankles and the and the hand. Um, as far as coaches, you know, Carlisle's a guy who can put things together in the playoffs, and they're a deep team with a lot of good shooters. So so give me a reality check here. No, I think that they were coming into these playoffs with uh, the possibility that, you know, if Luca is going to be his first time in the playoffs, so yeah. everyone's going to be judging him super harshly. Teams are going to be throwing all their defensive attention on them. They're going to be trying to pick on him on the other end. They're going to be doing all the stuff that used to happen to young James Harden. And if they didn't, um, if they didn't advance in the first round, it wouldn't be any big shame. But I do think that it was kind of being set up as like, oh, okay, you know, now there could be a little bit of, uh, of a backlash towards Luca just because he got so much hype and attention this year, right? And, um, you know, to me, that's always a little bit unfair. But I, I do think that, like, if they had gone out in the first round, say, in five games, there would be people, you know, doing the, like, oh, well, actually, Luca's not as good as everybody said he was. 
And I think now they actually go down to Orlando and it's like a complete nothing to lose mentality, right? These are already just kind of ridiculous playoffs. Like there's not even going to be any fans there. There's not going to be any situation where you're opening your series on the road against a really, really tough crowd that's like getting after you uh, and any of that stuff. It's more just like, hey, Luca, you're a baller. You're one of these five on five uh, pickup type players who we've talked about. Just like go down there and do your thing. And uh, I think the biggest question will be what kind of shape is he in, right? Uh, does he come right. back fully locked in in a good place because he was in, in much better shape this season than he was last year. And so you hope there was no regression there. Um, but past that, if, if they go out early, uh, I don't see any real shame in that. I think people will be like, all right, well, whatever, we'll give you a pass. Yeah. So I guess, you know, big picture, if I'm Dallas, I'm feeling like this is way better. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. this, this could have been a, a real pressure moment. And now it's like you're getting a lottery ticket. For sure. I'm going to be watching Tim Hardaway Jr. like a hawk because he's got his team option that the Mavericks are going to be looking to re-up at the end of this season. Talking about a guy like Lou Will, right? Like Tim Hardaway has kind of found his role that he has been looking for for a long time in the NBA where he's been effective off the bench. And for the Knicks, he was kind of became the best player because they just lost all their pieces and is not that guy. But I think with the with the Mavs, like he could, he could be really impactful here. And I'm, I'm excited to see what he does in the playoffs, especially with during the regular season when he, you know, when Luca went down, he was really effective. He and Seth were both very effective. So I'm excited to watch him. So they've yeah. got firepower everywhere. I mean, firepower at every position. And that's why they had like basically the best offense in the league. And so what I'm, my, what I'm my nervous about for these playoffs more than anything is that these real offensive juggernauts are going to come back and they're going to be like kind of tripping over their feet a little bit because they're just out of sync, out of rhythm after the long delay. And so I would really love to see a team like Dallas prove that kind of conventional wisdom wrong and just come out and just put up like 140 in this empty gym and just set a tone. I mean, it'd be incredible. So uh, it's not just them that that, that thinking applies to. Yeah. Uh, you could say it with the Lakers. They had awesome you know, offensive chemistry this year. Uh, Milwaukee, of course, had a great offense. I mean, we can go down the list of teams that were, you know, really firing on all cylinders before the playoffs. But, uh, um, you know, that's just one situation that I'm just nervous. Like, it would be such a bummer to have a very exciting and kind of electric Dallas offense just kind of like peter out because of a coronavirus pandemic that they obviously could not control. Yeah, I mean, this is the big – I don't think it's the big telling of Luka – um, but it's going to be very interesting to see if he can be that top 10, possibly top five player that you can rely on, you know, at this young age to kind of take over a game and join that Harden, Kawhi, LeBron, Giannis question where this is a guy we go, okay, the Mavs have Luka. They're automatically in the conversation versus, okay, they're young. Is, is, is this team legit or are they just playing a little bit above their level this past season? It's going to be a good one. I, 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 I yeah. dig them. I dig them. I think I have I have some hope for Utah's. You know, I think it's I th- my Thanks. big my I got you. Well, my big question is KP though. Uh, my big question is always going to be KP. Hey, they've both they both played in empty gyms in Europe. We that, were talking about that yeah, before. That is, so. That's true. Ben, is there any team that outside the playoffs you think can get in, or is it going to be the Grizzlies? Um, I think that you guys mentioned Portland and on all their factors with getting the two starters back, yeah. having Damian Lillard and the experienced uh, group kind of together. Um, I think that puts them in a pretty good shot to make a push here. Um, but I think that the Grizzlies, you know, they have to, you know, all they got to do is win one out of two, right? And that's uh, a real benefit they kind of built into that structure. So even if a team does kind of close that gap, all they've got to do is win one of those two games. So to me, it's probably going to come down to Portland or Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would hate to get a bet against Damian Lillard in that situation. But, you know, ultimately, like they're going to have a lot of ground to make up. 
Um, I guess I'll take Portland, but you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if Memphis holds on to this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, partly it's a psychological thing if you're Memphis. Like right now, you feel like, why are we even doing a play in tournament? We built a three and a half games lead. We should just be in the playoffs. And like, it's almost like they feel insulted by the need to defend their eighth seed. And they should. I mean, that's a nice little, uh, you know, chip on the shoulder. And uh, they've got young guys, uh, you know, John Morant. Jaron Jackson Jr., who are very competitive, who just love basketball. And so I think if I'm them, I'm looking at this like, oh, okay, well, you want to kind of stack the deck for Zion or you want to like appease Damian Lillard and let him in. Why don't we use this as a rallying cry, kind of like Memphis versus the world? And I think, uh, you know, those guys are pretty good. They didn't just back into their record this year. You know, they played good basketball. Uh, so it'll be fun to watch shock. them. They were the shock, man. They were the biggest shock. I thought that team was going to be Garbaggio. No, I was with you. I had them as the worst team in the Western Conference coming into the year. <laughs> so, I mean, they they uh, they turned everything on its head. Yeah, I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that you're not riding with your guy Zion, Ben. I know, I know you're a massive Zion. Dude, ben. you were. That's that was the biggest recollection of our first time meeting, Ben. Was you, you really sold me on the Zion? I was ready to go full steam ahead with RJ Barrett, and 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 you you pushed me in the Zion direction. Good thing you didn't. <laughs> well, no, Zion. I love Zion. It's just a tricky situation with the schedule where they had yeah. the easiest, they had the easiest schedule remaining, but, but then they cut out all the easy teams. Right. So now like they just have to play a tough schedule and they have to do it without the benefit of having that big time, like veteran you know, star leader. I mean, Drew holiday is a really good player. Um, but you know, it's, he's not quite on that Damian Lillard. Like I'm going to take over in this, uh, no. you know, in this environment type right. type player. And with Zion, like, I worry about his body too, right? I mean, he he obviously missed half the season due to injury. It's good that he has this extra time to get himself right. But he was also putting together some real momentum when the season shut down. And now it's like you got to work it back up. Um, So I don't know. It's just some questions around that team. They didn't really play great defense uh, this year either. And so they're going to be really requiring kind of their offensive firepower and their fast-paced play to overcome their lack of defense. And that makes me a little bit nervous in this format too where – uh, you know, are you going to be able to turn this into a track meet in an empty gym if you don't have the crowd behind you? You don't have any sort of uh, advantage. You know, it just—I don't know. I think defense is going to have a a real benefit here once we get basketball back going. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that team's young. Very—they're very running gun as well. Although I think if they had that defensive piece, I mean, I know Zion's a big man, but if they had that defensive big man, like I don't think Favors has it in them still. I think he—he he looked like he was missing a step. And Julio Okafor who will, I think, be a backup center for a long time is a backup center. I don't think they have that wall with, like we've been discussing that the Heat do uh, to kind of get in, you know, a guy like to get in a big man's way. Um, and I don't think they're I don't, they, may, they may not be quick enough. I don't think to defend like a guy's like they may have trouble against teams like Harden and Westbrook to kind of get those two guards, even though they do have Drew, um, which I think would be interesting. How about the Jazz and the Nuggets before we let you rock and roll? Because we know you're a busy man. Any faith in them or are they just going to be cool? Well, to the Jazz... The Jazz are a team to watch because Rudy Gobert tests positive and Donovan Mitchell's angry at him for three weeks, right? And and they basically just doesn't squash the beef until yeah. way later. So they, they kind of come in where they're trying to put their chemistry back together on the fly. And, you know, it could be a situation where if that doesn't work, they wind up trading Rudy Gobert, you know, like after this season. Like that could easily happen. Well, they're also um, so, down. They're down their second most effective scorer on the team, too. With for sure, yeah, out now. yeah, yeah. Bo- Bojan Bogdanovic, you know, has wrist uh, surgery, yeah. and so he's out. He's done. So, 
that that's just a lot of tricky question marks. And, and that's a stable organization. They've been really good at handling adversity in the past, but like, how does Donovan Mitchell wrap his mind around this idea that he's got to spend, you know, a month and a half or, or however long it would be for them in a bubble after this, you know, very personal and scary encounter with the disease. And, you know, something that I think at times he was blaming on his teammate, like that's, I don't know how you handicap that. I don't know how you really get through to Donovan Mitchell that like, okay, you got to put that, those feelings aside and just focus on basketball. In terms of Denver. Disney's the happiest place on earth. I know not for you. I know you don't love it, Ben, but there are a group of people that do love Disney. And I think that the potential is there at least, you know, Rudy's Rudy's from France. They go to Epcot, bada bing, bada boom, <laughs> make a little magic happen in Disney, and next thing you know, they're back to normal. I think if, they, if, they, if there's anywhere to happen, it could be Disney. It sounds to me like you're working for a spot on the uh, on the Utah's assistant <laughs> coaching staff. I like I like where you're going with that. Am I an um, X's and O's okay. guy? No. Am I a morale guy? Absolutely. I, I you hit it. You hit the nail on the head. Assistant coach. That's just me, man. I'm not the head coach, yeah. but I'm the assistant. You could be the player development guy. I love it. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> In terms of Denver, I think the biggest story there is just Jokic's body. I mean, he's lost a bunch of weight. He was playing really, really well coming down the stretch. Um, you know, Jamal Murray is, like, so confident that he's saying, like, we feel like we can beat anybody uh, on a conference call recently. So you kind of like where their leaders are in terms of, you know, being locked in and focused. And you hope they're all their role guys are kind of in that same spot. To me, they were always a cup behind the L.A. teams this year. Mm-hmm. And so I think if they can make the conference finals, that's like a smash success. If they go out in the second round or earlier, I don't know if it's necessarily the end of the world. It's going to come really down – to me, it's going to come down to matchups. If they have to go against Harden somehow, uh, how, you know, based on how the seeds shake out, or even if they have to you know, go against Luka, if they lose that series, I don't think that's a huge loss. You know, it's like, okay, you know, it's, it, maybe it's a disappointment for a team that had a great regular season. But you know, to me, I just never elevated them into that top category. Yeah. I think that last year we were talking about that team and we were like, they were a year, they're a year away. Right. But we were, we were talking about, we were talking about Jamal Murray and we were talking about Jokic. And now I think we're saying that they're, a, I'm saying that they're a year away, not talking about Murray, not talking about Jokic, but the other pieces around those guys, especially Michael Porter, get him a year where he's healthy and back into the, into the, the rotation um, for an entire year. Let's see what Bull Bull can do when he comes into the mix. Those kind of guys, I think will really, be the the elevating pieces to this potentially like long-standing playoff team right here because they've got the core right and they've got the leadership I mean I think like you're talking about Ben like the real question mark for for the Jazz is Donovan Mitchell and kind of the beef between him and Rudy Rudy Gobert and it's Mitchell has to be the guy that's leading that locker yeah and if Jamal Murray is being the guy that's talking about Jokic talking about the work that he's put in they're already in a better position from just a locker room standpoint. Exactly. It, it, to me, if Gary Harris had taken that step that everyone thought he would, we'd be, we'd be singing a completely different tune. Unfortunately, he hasn't. I think it's a great point, Toss. I'm kind of with you. The, the two guys that needed to take a step last year did. It's just the rest of the roster now needs to kind of come and meet them. Can they go out and get veteran pieces this offseason in free agency and kind of get that and get that going? Can Michael Porter Jr. take that step up and just be the three guy? Can Bull Bull be a reliable starting center um, so they don't have to go out and make a trade for a guy like Miles, Miles Turner and give up more than they would want to um, in a deal for that, even though that's a possibility for them right there? Um, rocking man. Is there a team other than the Warriors that didn't get the invite to the quote unquote happiest place on earth that you think we'll see in the playoffs next year? Cause I kind of look at the Cavs roster and I go, if they get lucky in the lottery, maybe they can make some magic happen, but I could also be, you know, taking happy pills. 
Yeah, you know, I think that the Warriors are the odds-on favorite. I, I was kind of hoping that Minnesota would show a little bit more progress than they did this year. So, like, if you had asked me this maybe six months ago, I would have nominated them. Mm-hmm. The Eastern Conference, the bar is just so low, you know, so for low. that seed where I think you could say, like, hey, the you know, the, the Wizards didn't technically make the playoffs because they weren't, a t- you know, a top eight seed. But, you know, you get John Wall back. You have your younger players a year older. Um, whether it's Rui, uh, you're having Beal right in the middle of his prime. I think that could be a, He's great. Uh, you know, a playoff team next year. But I think uh, you know, the other team you would want to see a big jump from, I think, would actually be Atlanta. Um, they've got a bunch of young wings who you're sort of waiting for their, their bodies to develop. You know, John Collins gets himself suspended for 25 games right off the top of the season. Hopefully Literally. that doesn't happen again next year. And then you've got Trey Young, where we know he's going to continue to get better and better because he's already showed such amazing progress. So that could be one team to circle in that category. But, uh, you know, to me, otherwise, you know, the, the, if you can't make the playoffs with 22 teams, you're not very good. <laughs> that's kind of how I look at it. And yeah. uh, that's kind of where a lot of these other teams, whether it's Detroit or New York, that's kind of where they fall. Detroit stinks on ice. That is a desolate place to play basketball, unfortunately. I am the, I am, I think Detroit's the worst. I, that's like the bottom of the barrel for me, that in my opinion. <laughs> it does not get any worse than Detroit. Uh, we've done, I've done, yeah, ex- they, can't, they can't, they can't even win 70 games. And I've been and doing an experiment, Ben, where already. I've been just being the GM and simulating seasons in 2K and trying seven seasons to get the Detroit Pistons to 70 wins. And I've gotten in like the last couple of years go back to back with 69 wins and almost broke the Xbox like I was a 15 year old boy again. I was so <laughs> upset. And, the, and, and first of all, no one's giving me any support. I got these two guys and our other friends coming into the place and rooting against my team, which you want to talk about good locker room camaraderie. It's the opposite of what's going on in the quote unquote man cave. Well, it's competitive. It to- I mean, we, we, we took the uh, New York Knicks, the four straight. NBA Finals and won them all with Bull Bull being the MVP and every single one of them. If only if, if only two K was seventy two wins and getting seventy two wins in five seasons. If so. only two K was real for the New York Knicks fans, just so we have it on record, Ben. Let me get this right. You have Clippers Bucks or is it Lakers Bucks? Clippers Bucks. Clippers Bucks. Okay, yeah, Clippers Bucks. Your dark seed is going to be Boston, quote unquote, the dark dark seed, and your dark seed in the Western Conference is the Houston Rockets. Reputations on the line, man. Big stuff here. I'm going. I'm going to go with. I'll go with the. I'll go with my Celtics, and I'll go with the Lakers. Dark Horse Heat. I'll go Dark Horse Mavs. I'm going to be crazy. Nick? Uh, uh, I'm going to go Clippers over Celtics. Uh, Dark Horse, um, obviously Celtics, because they're in the finals. Um, and then, yeah, I like the Mavs, too. I think I think Luka's got a lot to prove. Nice. Toss? All right. I'm going Lakers. Raptors Um, and part of that is just because I want to continue the conversations we just watched the last dance like you mentioned earlier Josh I want to continue the conversation of who's who's the real goat between Jordan and LeBron I want LeBron to create kind of a legacy in the back half of his career as a guy who could maybe go down as an all-time Laker great so I want that to happen and then uh, I'll go with I'll go with the Thunder as my dark horse and Yeah, yeah. Oh, Gilly. Can I change my answer? I want to do them too. They're awesome. <laughs> They're cool. I'm changing. I'm, I'm team Chris Paul. If he gets if, one, if, if, tosses home. If, if, they can, um, if they can put together the chemistry that they had at the end of the season, obviously no one was hotter than them besides the Bucks. Um, so they're my dark horse in the West, and then my dark horse in the East will be the um, – I would go with the Celtics as well, which is like kind of cheating because I don't think they're a dark horse, but – 
Rock and roll, guys. Great stuff, Ben. I do, I do, I do agree with Ben. This is probably gonna be one of the most crazy, unpredictable playoffs that we'll ever see. I mean, there is an aspect of you know, even in the MJ documentary where they talked about that dream team that was practicing against each other, which is probably one of the most competitive games that any of those guys have ever played. You know, like behind closed doors, sometimes these games get so intense, and I don't know. There's just there's just more. It does have fuel. that kind of feel. It has that feel that we're going to be seeing like these kind of closed door games and seeing what it's really right. like, except like these, yeah, it's like that, these Instagram clips. It's like that, that street ball kind of mentality, right? Yeah, that's what we want. I love that you brought up the Thunder, though, because now I'm I'm rooting for Chris Paul. Fuck it. I think he took the, he took it the, took it to the chin for going to Oklahoma City and was a champ there. I'm all in on him. But Ben, Golliver, you are the man. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can the people find your podcast, just so they remember? Yeah, there was the Sports Illustrated Open Floor Podcast. Uh, I do that twice a week with Michael Pina, like you guys mentioned. I also am doing the Greatest of All Talk podcast. Check that out at greatestofalltalk.com. I do it with Andrew Sharp, and we've been having a blast doing quarantine shows the whole way through, even though we got no basketball to talk about. So uh, everybody can check those both out. And Twitter? At Ben Golliver, nice and easy. Boom. Love it. Ben Golliver, you're the man. Can't wait to have you back postseason. Thanks for joining us, brother. And have a good one. And hopefully you get down to Orlando. We'll be, we'll be keeping an eye out for you. Uh, we'll be checking your Instagram story to see you get down there. And if you do, grab me a turkey leg because, you know, if there's anything in <laughs> – I love turkey. it. I love it. Dude, grab Josh a turkey leg. And, and, then, and, and bring it back to LA. Screw it. At this point in 2020, I'll eat it. I don't care. Can't get any worse. Uh, then, well, we'll then, see if they let me if they if they let me ship out from FedEx from the bubble. You I'll have my you, know. you have my email. You have my email. Ben, thanks for joining <laughs> us, brother. Thanks, Ben. All right, guys. Take care. Take care. Couldn't have had more fun chopping up with Ben. Always a pleasure. I uh, hope he makes it down to Orlando. And can't wait for the season. It's going to be an exciting one. It's going to be a lot of twists and turns, and we're, we're stoked to cover it. Um, but, yeah, just a friendly reminder. What We're brought to you guys still by our boys and girls at betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag. Use the promo code MYPOD100. They'll match your deposit up to $1,000. Get that free money. Get paid. Bet on futures. The NBA is back, so put your dollars and your cents in the Boston Celtics because that's where my heart is. And, yeah, thanks for joining us. Really great stuff. Hope you guys enjoyed it. The fans out there, drag both feet inbound, swing on a full count, rip that puck, hit that putt, hit your PKs because they free hit your free throws. Why, guys? Because they are free. We out you. We love you so damn much. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, 
for the ones who get it done.